and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today, and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. I'm going to continue and finish up this week on the kingdom of God, what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And I've titled this morning's sermon, Kingdom Vessels. Kingdom Vessels. Say that with me. Kingdom Vessels. That is what each of you are, is a kingdom vessel. We sang a song right now, Jars of Clay, Broken Vessels. We are, the Bible says, and we're going to read this scripture momentarily, Jars of Clay. You've heard that we've come from dust and to dust we'll return. We're basically from the ground. We're formed, Adam was formed from the, from the clay of this earth. And that's where we come from. The Bible declares that. We're, we're clay vessels. Now, going back to the kingdom of God, what we've, what we've uh, been talking about in the last few weeks is the kingdom culture is very different than what our natural culture is. Kingdom culture, for example, I believe it was last week I mentioned that when we drive out here, you're all going to get in the right-hand lane and proceed to your house. That's our culture here. But if you go to Great Britain, the United Kingdom, and you get in the right-hand lane and head out, you're going to get in a one-way, in a head-on collision. So that's their culture. It's different. Australia, the same way. And various other countries, the same way. You've got to adjust to that culture. The problem we have here is that our modern-day culture can influence our way of thinking. And we can live a defeated life. How many know what I'm talking about? Negativity. Always thinking, this is, I'm never going to have this. I'm never going to achieve this. And that's a, a, a defeatist attitude to have when the kingdom of God, God is telling each and every one of you, you're a vessel that contains the almighty God of heaven. All things are possible to him who believes. Amen. How many believe that all things are possible? There is nothing here that you cannot achieve with God as your help. Amen. So Jesus taught this culture in his prayer. He taught a different way of thinking. He taught a way of, of loving others first and, and turning the other cheek, yeah. which is really hard to do sometimes. Can I get an amen? amen. You know, it's, it, the Bible says if somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. Well, wait a minute. If somebody slaps me, let's stop right there. You know, that's the first reaction we have is I'm not going to let them slap my other cheek. Jesus is telling us, turn the other cheek. What he's really teaching us is don't just go after him. Vengeance isn't yours. The Bible says vengeance is his. There's, there's also other sayings that, that go like this. What goes around comes around. So, so if they strike out at you, it'll come back to them. Don't you worry. They'll get theirs in the end. And, and beside, what the Lord wants you to do is shine your light. Let the light of Christ shine through you. And it's not shining through when there's a left and a right followed by, by a slab, right? Amen. I only know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, so again, the kingdom culture is very different than what our modern contemporary culture shows us, teaches us, shows our kids, teaches our kids. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10, Jesus said this when he taught his disciples how to pray. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, Jesus said to pray that his kingdom would come. His kingdom is here now. Once he arose back into heaven bodily, 
He left his whole, the Holy Spirit here now directs us. Amen. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and I every day through the living word of God. The word of God is alive. It's powerful. And it resonates inside of each of us when we read his word. He said to, to take our focus off of our needs and put them, put them on the kingdom. See, God says, I, I know the struggles that you're facing. I know what you're going through. I know the, the financial issues you may be having. The upside down mortgage, possibly, which was a few years ago, that was the greatest problem many people had here in our society. Uh, I, I know the issues you're having with that relationship, with that in-law, that outlaw, whoever it might be. But it doesn't matter. I can handle, I can take care of that for you. Yeah. That's what the Word of God is saying. Amen. He created, going back to the book of Genesis, he created Adam, the first man Adam, as a physical expression of an invisible God. In fact, did you know in the New Testament, Adam is referred to as the Son of God? Um, now, don't confuse that. He's not the, the Son of God. He's just called a, a Son of God. Uh, literally, it says the Son of God. Um, he was the Son of God. He was a child of God. Just like you are sons and daughters of God. Now, don't confuse that and elevate yourself into thinking you're high and mighty because you're not. You're not Jesus Christ. There was only one. There was only one Jesus. Everybody say that. Only one Jesus. And you're not him. Amen. God Almighty decreed that Adam would have dominion over his kingdom. God told him, said, Adam, I give you all power and authority in this kingdom here on this earth. And that never changed. That same authority and power is available to each of us today. But we, we, we neglect that power and authority or, or, we don't, or we're not aware of it, that it's available to you and I. That same power and authority that Adam had at the very beginning. See, even though God knew already that Adam would fail, I mean, you know, God knows the beginning from the end. He lives outside of time. You see, you and I live in a time, this 24-7, 365, we can't understand or comprehend how somebody can live outside of time. God is not bound by time, a clock. He sees the beginning from the end like that. And he knew that Adam would fail, yet he gave him power and authority. He knows what your ups and downs are going to be. He knows when you're going to fail him. He knows when you're going to fall short. And you're going to wake up going, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for that. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to fall and, and fail and, and, and take your name in vain or whatever it might have been. He knew that, but he still loves you. Amen? He still chooses to have a relationship with you and I. That's the amazing grace of a God that we serve. Amen? Most parents, you know, you, you talk back to your, your child, talk back to you, and it's not going to go well, right? There's not a lot of amazing grace being shown in those circumstances, right? I mean, I, I'm just using that as an example. Maybe some of you have lived that, but if I were ever to say something like that to my dad, I may not be here today. How many were raised with a dad like that, right? It's just those things, we just don't do those things. And God, yet in that, in that same situation, we can say things against him. He didn't put a hit out on us. He still loves us the same. He still loves us the same, and he's still going, okay, you need a little bit more maturity, more growing up. That's okay. 
I've been around for a while. I can wait for you to get there. And that's what he wants of you and I. So God uses all kinds of people to accomplish his will, including Adam, who sinned, including Eve. He used the very first people of this earth, and he knew they would fail. You know, you know in, my, in my perfect world, if I created the world, I'd have picked the most perfect people ever, which they were. They were perfectly created. I'm, I'm assuming he was GQ all the way, and she was you know, on the cover of every, every magazine. You know, she was just perfect in all her ways because God created the first two. So, you know, she, she looked just like my wife, Anna, and he looked just like me. So, um, just kidding. But, you know, God's, God's perfection, you know, he knew they were going to fail. He knows you and I are going to fall short. None of you are perfect like me. I'm not perfect. We're going to fail. But he wants to remind you, I still can use you. Amen? How many are thankful for that? Amen. Amen. Yes, give him a hand clap. You, are, you should be thankful for that. Let's stand, and I'm going to read one verse, which is our sermon text. I believe it's on your outline. And if you don't have an outline, we will get you one. Raise your hand if you don't have an outline. And our sermon text is found in Matthew chapter 13, the book of Matthew. In the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. Gospels meaning the good news. The book of Matthew. Who was Matthew? He was a tax collector. Converted. Tax collectors were despised. And here... This man is being greatly used by God. Okay? Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for your precious word. We thank you that it's alive, it's powerful. What it was declared over 2,000 years ago is still alive and well today. That power, that authority still resonates. It's still in, it's in authority today. Your word is declared. It's good yesterday, today, and forever. It's unchanging. And so, Father, we thank you for that word. We, th- we pray now that anointing would be upon our hearing, that we would hear your words as they are declared, and that we would receive it that we would live and grow in it. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Amen. How many know that God wants to draw that gifting out of you that he's given you? Each of you have a gift. Now, I I may not necessarily be talking about the nursing gift. And I want to quickly point out, we have five nurses here today. We also have Dante here. Raise your hand, Dante. He's also a nurse. We didn't recognize him. So give him a big hand. Yes. So it may not be that gift. You may be a welder. My brother is an awesome fabricator. That man can, he can put any TV show to shame. I've seen the stuff that he can fabricate. Uh, it may not be that gift I'm talking about. There's a, there's a gift inside of you. It could be to communicate. It could be to love on somebody. How many know that at a time of crisis, a time when someone, a loved one, may pass away, that there's a gift that sometimes can rise up in you and bring comfort to somebody else. It may not be words. What I found when my son passed away at the age of 20, I found that just a hug, just a simple hug is amazing. I, I, I didn't want to hear words. I just, a simple hug. That was powerful. More than words could ever declare, ever express. 
And some of you have that gift to be able to comfort others. And I believe that's what you nurses especially have, that gift of comfort. May not always be there, I get it. But it's a gift of comfort. Amen. Amen? So in it's, inside of each of you, you have a gift that God wants to draw out. We have a God-given purpose in this life. According to Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, we have a purpose, a God-given purpose. Have you discovered what that purpose is yet? Yes. Ask yourself that this morning. Have you discovered what that purpose in life is all about? It's not about just to get rich and make all sorts of money. It's not about just to have the biggest house in the land. Life has so much more deeper meaning than that. Otherwise, you wouldn't find these destroyed marriages from these people that are the wealthiest in the world. They have all the affluence in the world, yet their lives are falling apart. If that was truly what life was all about, they would have found happiness. But it's much more than that. It's much more than that. You know, we are vessels, each of us are clay vessels that God is wanting to use to accomplish His will. Did you notice how, it's not how attractive you are, how strong you are, um, or how strong you appear to be on the outside or, or necessarily on the inside. God uses people from all walks of life to accomplish His will. In fact, our Savior, Jesus Christ, born in a stable, born in a manger with animals around Him. All the way in, in the beginning of the New Testament, he was born in a manger. The Bible says Jesus wasn't a, a tall man. It doesn't describe him as a tall man or a good-looking man. It, it gives descriptions, but uh, we know he was a son of a carpenter. So he probably had rough hands. Probably had you know, a rough exterior looking, working out, side all the time, as was, was common in those days. The Bible says he, there was nothing that distinguished him. And the reason I know that is the Bible says that when they went to go arrest him, how many remember this story? When Judas had betrayed him, they went to arrest him. And Judas told the soldiers, it's the one that I kiss that is Jesus. So in other words, there was nothing about him that made him look remarkable or outstanding. You couldn't pinpoint him in a crowd. He looked like you and I. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes we get this image of, well, Jesus must have just stood out. He was, he was beautiful. He was handsome. He was six foot four. No, he was just common like every other person. But the point of that is that it's not the beginning or it's not, it doesn't matter what you look like. And it's not the beginning that the Lord looks at, but rather how we finish that's important. How many know that life can be tough, but it doesn't have to be that way all the time? You can turn it around with God's help. God is there to help each of you. Yes. Amen. Amen. Most likely, Jesus, going back to this, he looked like the people of Israel look today. And I, when I was in Israel uh, back in 2013, there on a mission, not a mission trip, it was just a 10-day a, uh, walk the path of Jesus tour. I highly suggest it if you guys ever want to, uh, learn about the Bible land. This Bible has become so much more alive to me because I've visited those places. But the people there are dark hair, olive skin. Um, there's characteristics and features about the people of the Middle East that uh, you you can kind of spot them. You know, we're we're so used to seeing paintings of the of the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, right? How I many know what I'm talking about? And there's nothing wrong with you know making paintings of him like that, but. 
It's not biblical. That's all I'll tell you on that. Amen? Amen. How many can say this with me? Our strength comes from the Lord. Our strength comes from the Lord. Amen? And, and, and we're vessels. Let's first of all begin with that. What's a vessel? A vessel is, is a cup. It's a bowl. I have a favorite bowl at home. It's a white porcelain bowl that I use for my bowl of cornflakes or my Kellogg's Frosted Flakes whenever I want a bowl of cereal at 9 o'clock at night. Mmm, mm, that's what I love to do sometimes. Man, I haven't had one in a long time, but that's a special bowl, right? How many have a special bowl or a special mug that you have at home and, and you use that and nobody touches that bowl? That's yours. Nobody better touch that bowl and nobody better break it, right? Because that's your bowl. And... Uh, if that bowl is sitting there on your cupboard, it's empty and it's useless at that point. Many of us here, before we come to know the Lord, spiritually speaking, we're empty and we're useless in the kingdom of God. It's not until you put something in it that you can be used of God. Yeah. Can I get an amen? amen? You know, you have to be able to fill yourself up. And so, Number one on your outline, vessels are made to contain something. Every mug you have in your, in your cupboard, your plates, your bowls are made to contain something. And until they contain something, they just look pretty, but don't serve a use. They're not practical for anything until they are actually being used. That is their sole purpose in life. They're made to hold something. We, in the same way, are made... To be vessels to hold something. To contain something. The vessels in your home, again, they're empty unless they're being used. And in the same way, our lives without Jesus Christ are empty. God is saying, yes, yes, you're made out of clay. You're made out of the dirt of this ground. Very common material, which in itself has no value. Something is there, and sometimes you've got to dig that, that value up, right? That's how they find gold. That's how they mine for gold, how they mine for minerals. It's, it's just a, a field of dirt, and, and they do tests, and they determine there's deposits in here. If we go in there and mine this area, there's different types of mining that, that they do nowadays, and, and, they, and they take out all this dirt, just like the scripture that we read, that in the field there's a treasure, each one of you are a treasure. Every one of you are planted in a field. Some of you are in the American Canyon field. Some of you live in the Napa field. Some of you live in the Mill Valley field, in the Vallejo field. Wherever you're planted, you're a treasure. Amen? You're a treasure. God is saying, yes, you're made out of dirt, but yes, something is there. Yes, but nothing of any real value just in itself. There's nothing of value in that dirt. It's what you find, what you mine out of there, what you, what you gather out of there. So vessels are made to contain something. Let me read 2 Corinthians 4.7. It says the following, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This all-surpassing power is the Holy Spirit of God that is in, at work in each of you. See, just yourself, there's nothing there. There's nothing all-surpassing, all-encompassing. 
It's the God in you that's at work. Amen? It's the God in you. And, and because the God in you now has filled your vessel, now you have a purpose. Now you can accomplish tasks in the kingdom of God. Number two, vessels are different but the same. Look at your neighbor and tell them vessels are different but the same. If you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, look around. We have, this is what I love about our church. We have white people, brown people, black people. We have Asian people. We have, I mean, we have a picture of what heaven's going to look like. Uh, that to me is what I love about this church. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for, a, I brag about this church everywhere I go because they don't have those churches. When I talk to other pastors, they look at me like, how does that work? Well, in our church, it works. You know, their, their churches, they're so used to just one flavor. But here the, here's the thing. Vessels are different, but the same. At the core of this, each one of you are human beings. We belong to the human race. Amen? Amen. That's the core. Jesus made you all equal. You're all equal in his eyes. Now, having said that, there's all kinds of grades of clay, meaning some are soft and tender. The slightest word can break them. The slightest drop and they'll crack. You don't have to raise your hand if that's you. And then there's the others that you can drop them, you can step on them, and they won't crack because they got that toughness. And, and as your spouse elbows you because you're that guy or you're that woman. We, we are each different, but yet we're the same. We're vessels, amen? You may have a very fine texture, although it's nothing more than clay. Others are more tough. But we're all made of the same common clay. But here's what I want you to get, having said that. Galatians, the book of Galatians, Paul wrote this to the people of Galatia. He wrote this in chapter 6 of verse 3. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. So having said that, vessels are different but the same. Don't get all puffed up inside and ever think that you're greater than somebody else. Because God has a humorous way of bringing you back down. Amen? How many have ever seen that? God has a way of bringing down people that puff themselves up. And that's one thing that has always, always bothered me is when people puff themselves up, walk around like a rooster, you know, and whether it's male or female, because God has a way of humbling you. God has a way of humbling us. Amen? We have to be careful that we don't walk around because we're only deceiving ourselves if we walk around with an attitude of arrogance. God wants an attitude of humbleness. God wants an attitude of just, Lord, what is it? What can I do for you in the kingdom of God? Amen? Amen. But no matter the race, the color, we all are vessels of clay created by God. All of us here. For all the differences we think we may have with our neighbor, we're actually the same. We're all the same. We put on our pants one leg at a time. We tie our shoes one shoe at a time. We all come from clay. We're from the dirt, yet we're all treasures. Each one of you are a precious treasure. Let's go to the third point on your outline. It says, vessels hold an all-surpassing power. And we read that scripture in 2 Corinthians that I read to you in verse 4 and verse 7 that says that it describes the God in us that 
He's an all-surpassing power. All-surpassing power. Let me, let me read to you what that is. It's that the vessel isn't much in itself. When you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can do all things in Christ. That's why the word declares that when God walks with you, when God is in you, there's nothing that can come against you and defeat you spiritually, mentally. See, this is the thing that I've learned as a believer. I can walk into meetings now, conferences, walk confidently because of the God that lives inside of me. Not because of my position or who I am, but because of the God that walks in me. Amen? Amen? There's a difference. And when you start walking in confidence like that, God is really saying, yes, I've given you a gift to, to project that, to walk in confidence. Whatever is in your field that you may, you may do every day, he'll give you the ability, the faith to rise up to that level. Amen? Wow. Vessels are different, or excuse me, vessels hold an all-surpassing power. And that is the treasure. That is the treasure. The treasure is God in us. Amen? The God, the great God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that lives inside of each of you. There's another treasure that many, that the world here will seek in about three weeks. And it's called Black Friday, right? Three weeks. It's coming up in three weeks. Oh, my goodness. This year is flying by. And Black Friday now starts on Thursday. Did you know that? Black Friday starts on Thursday. Millions of people are going to go out looking for a treasure. They're going to be looking for things to fulfill their life because they can't find it. And they're looking in the wrong places. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't go shopping on Black Friday. No, please go get the best deals at Best Buy. Get the best deals at Target, wherever you guys go shopping. Show up at 4 a.m. I'm going to be sound asleep. Amen. You know, these people are looking for something that life isn't giving them. And, and for many of us, we haven't discovered that the only true satisfying life you'll ever find, it's in God. It's in Christ Jesus. He's the only one that can fill that void in your life, that emptiness. When you go to bed at night and say, Lord, is this all there is to life? Like I uttered years ago and I said, Lord, is this all there is to life? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Lord, you've got to do something different. And people started coming into my life and sharing the word of God and turned my life around because I began to ask God, Lord, there's got to be more to life than this. But it's not until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired and you begin to knock on the door that God comes in to help you. See, God's a gentleman. He will never force himself on you. Amen. Never will he force himself on you. Amen. The real treasure is contained inside of each of you, that Holy Spirit. Again, this treasure, it's an all-surpassing power. Let me share with, with you what that means. It means something beyond the ordinary, something above ourselves, something wholly other, something different, unusual. This is the power that's inside of you. It's called the Holy Spirit power, the Holy Ghost power, which this power unites you. It harmonizes, it gathers, it loves. It can go in and diffuse a situation in a relationship. It can diffuse it and bring harmony and peace. It can break down barriers of race and religion and politics. How many know that the division we have, it's a sin problem is what it is. It's, it's not a race 
issue or a political issue. It's a sin problem. If people got on their knees and came humbly before God, confessed their need for Him, God would take away all that mess. He really would. Our society needs this great power. It's a a power to change a life and transform our, our society. And it's available to each of us from within. From within. Amen? Not of yourselves, but of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. It's a genuine transformation that occurs in your life. As individuals, we become changed. The society of which we become a part of changes as well. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 17, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, Therefore, if any man be a new creation, or is in Christ, excuse me, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Saying again what I mentioned last week, I was walking this way, and I repented, which means to walk a different way. The new has come. I now put on a new garment. Those were the old garments. I took them off and I put on the new garment and I am now walking in Christ. Amen? He now lives inside of me. He directs my path. He directs my thoughts. He directs how I speak to people, how I view them. Amen? And that's not just on Sundays. It's 24-7, 365. Every day for you should be the same. It shouldn't just be on Sundays. Or maybe on a Wednesday if I go to a a Bible study at Pastor Rick's house. uh, It should be every day. Our attitude should contain the great hope that we have within us, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? This is real Christianity. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Each of you have this treasure. God put it, check this out. God put it in failing, faulty, weak, sinful people like you and me. He put it in each of us. Even though he knew we could fail, he put that that treasure in each of you. And you know why? So that's why he knew that if he put it in people like you and I, that power, that all-surpassing power, would be evident at some point. Because if it was up to you and I, we couldn't do it. But something else is in that person. Something else is causing them to love on other people. Something else is causing them to forgive other people. Something else is there. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's the life that God wants you to live. Amen? It doesn't originate in you and I, that power. It comes from within us. It's not a result of your good looks or the family you were born into or or the, the disposition you have on life. It's not anything about that. It's not about being an extrovert in life or an introvert. It's about the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. Amen? This is why God delights to call people like us the weak, the worn, the faulty, the failing, so that He can receive all the glory and all the honor. Because nobody can look at that and say, well, that's because he or she was that way. No, they didn't have nothing. Uh, I, I couldn't quote a scripture of the Bible. 25 years ago, uh, 26 years ago, I couldn't quote a scripture. I didn't know any scriptures. Now my mind is saturated with them. I'm filled with them because this is how I live now. And, And God takes that person and he gets the glory. Amen? He gets the glory. Amen. Amen. Number four, vessels that contain the glory. 
And uh, what, I, what I'm talking about when I, when I mention people that God uses, let me remind you of a list of people that he used. Check this out in the Bible. I'm talking about some of the greatest people that God used in the, in the scriptures. Noah was a drunk. Elijah was suicidal. Peter was a coward. Jacob was a deceiver. Rahab was a prostitute. Samson was a womanizer. Moses had a self-esteem problem, a speech problem, not to mention he was a murderer. David was an adulterer and a murderer. And the Samaritan woman was divorced five times and living with a sixth person. And God used every one of them greatly. So why in the world would you think that he couldn't use you? Poor little you. That's what we think, right? God, who am I in your great kingdom? I'm not like King David. I'm not like Samson. I'm not like Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. How could you use me? He wants to use you. He will get the, all the glory. Amen? He'll get all the glory when, he, when you allow yourself to be used as a vessel. Amen. The Lord wants an obedient vessel. That's what he wants from each of us. All these people here that I just mentioned, they just were willing to be obedient, to say, yes, Lord. Everybody say that with me. Yes, Lord. That's all the Lord wants to hear. Yes, Lord. Doesn't matter your past, your present, or even what you think your future holds. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let me read another scripture to you found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Now what is, what is that saying? It's, that, it's saying that the secret to, to life is being a vessel for the Lord. It's saying that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross provides you that ability to be a vessel for the Lord. Without the, resur- without the death of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, this whole Sunday thing at every church in every community is pointless. We might as well just be another member of the Moose Club and the Elks Club and the Kiwanis Club because it'd just be another gathering. This is beyond that. This is a spiritual gathering because we know that we are a treasure in a field. We are a vessel that God can use. Amen? Amen. The key to experiencing the life of Jesus is to know that the death on the cross and his resurrection provides you that ability today for forgiveness of sins, for a new life, a new lease on life, to to begin a new life and forget your past. That's the amazing thing that I love about the Lord. The Bible says this, when you come to him and ask him for forgiveness, he says, not only will I forgive you, I will cast those sins, those wrongdoings, as far as the east is from the west, never, everybody say never, never to be remembered against you again. When I first heard that, that brought so much comfort to me. It brought so much life to me because life can beat you up. Life can get you to a point where you get down on yourself, where you beat yourself up, when society is beating you up, and you can never think that you're going to escape out of there. And when I first heard that, I began to think, Lord, really, I, I, I can have this? 
you'll never hold those things against me again? And he said, yes, I'll never hold them against you again. That brought liberty to me. It brought a release to me. It brought forgiveness to me. Amen. And, and that is what the Lord is willing to give you today again. Amen. So as I close this morning at this time, the key, everybody say the key, the key. to discovering the glory of this hidden treasure is to accept the meaning of the cross, which is that he died for you and I. Yes. He died for you and I to take your sins on the cross. Amen. So first of all, as I close, the cross had one purpose, only one purpose. He came for you. He came for you. He came for you this morning. He came for you. It was to give us a new life. The sacrifice on the cross. Scripture says that he was made sin for us. Jesus became sin. He took on the sin. He did everything that you did in secret. He took that on him. He took everything that I have done in my past and he put it on him. He took everything that Charles Manson did and you name it. He took on that sin. I mean, that's unbelievable to think that. Sometimes we don't realize what he took on at the cross. And he went willingly and obediently for you and I. It didn't matter what your sin was. He said, I love each of you, my creation, that I'm going to go to the cross, take those sins, past, present, and future to come. Remember, God sees everything today, like it's happening today. And he took that sin and he became sin for you and I. So that your sins would never be remembered against you again. Amen. That is so powerful when we realize that. Jesus became sin for us and paid the ultimate price on the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to. See, we don't have to pay the price now. Jesus paid it all. We put an end to our old life and arise anew in newness of life, the Bible says. The other thing we, we need to put to death at the cross, when we come to that realization of what Jesus did, is we need to put to death our ego, our proud ego. God can't work with an ego that's filled with, with cockiness, what's filled with the exact opposite of humbleness. You've got to put that to death. You've got to say, Lord, you've got to work on my heart. You've got to work on my spirit. You've got to work on me. And when we do that, then we can humbly come before him and get on our knees and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I confess I, I can't do this on my own. I've, I've been doing this and I'm getting the same results. And if I keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, that's the definition of insanity. Lord, I can't do this. I need you in my life. I need you. And it starts with a humble heart. It starts with a willing vessel. Amen. Do you want to be a willing vessel this morning? Remember this. I must decrease. He must increase. The Bible says. I must decrease. And when I do that, he increases. Amen. Won't you stand with me this morning? We're going to close in prayer this morning. Father in heaven, we need periodic reminders of what we are in ourselves. We're empty pots. We're empty vessels, Lord. We're made to contain God Almighty. Apart from you, we are nothing. We're useless. We're empty. 
And we really live our lives in vain without you. My prayer today is, Lord, that we would be vessels that would be filled with your presence every day. Not only today, but the rest of this week. And that, Lord, wherever we go, that people would see our vessel filled. And that we could share it with others. That we could share what God's doing in our life. How wonderful it is that my life has been transformed. Let me share with you. Can I tell you what God's done in my life? How much better, not only am I feeling about myself, but what God's doing in my life. Can I share that with you? Lord, I pray that blessing upon each of them today, upon each person that hears my voice. Lord, I pray that we may learn to accept gladly, cheerfully, and understand the experiences that we've gone through. Father, that you've brought us through to bring us to this point. Our past shapes our future. And Lord, we depend on your grace. We depend on you filling us with your holy presence. Amen.